1: I remember thinking, "Why is this show still on?" I mean, every time it would be a new season, I'd be like, "Oh, I can't get away from it." But after a while, after I began to, you know, heal and my life was fine, then I started getting into it and I kind of enjoyed it more. And now I'm glad it's on. It's it's fun. It's great for a um, a cocktail party. And I'm glad to have been a part of the legacy.
2: Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we
3: lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon.
2: The year was 2002, and we had it all. Dark, neutral lipsticks, blurry camera phones, and of course... The Bachelor.
3: Yeah, if this sounds familiar, I mean, we're not saying that The Bachelor, like, took our live show ideas, but we are saying that if you liked last night's recap of Alex Michelle's season, you'll definitely really like the deep dives that we did for our Here to Make Friends live tour last year, which were, I have to say, much more in depth. Uh, (laughs) Way to steal our thunder, ABC. Come on. Seriously. But alas, we persevere. We work with what we are given. Uh, and this week,
2: we also got to revisit a slightly less familiar season to us, one that we don't know better than our home phone numbers, the first ever Bachelorette season starring Trista Wren. Yes. When The Bachelor discovered gender equality and was completely unproblematic from that point forward. Yes. As we all know. They
3: flipped the script. They put a woman in charge. I mean, that's everything all changed. I ever wanted. Yeah. yeah. Um, but before we dig into last night's episode of The Bachelor, the greatest seasons ever, um, it's time for our weekly calls to action. So uh, this week, um, you know, there's been some news coverage recently, and uh, maybe you've seen it, about how um, evictions are looking to be, uh, you know, a huge problem uh, at this stage in the pandemic and going forward, you know, for a, a little while, a lot of um, a lot of governments were pausing evictions not processing them um, but that has started to change and um, millions of people still don't have their incomes are um, were laid off from work or furloughed or uh, generally staying home for safety and um, are not making money to pay the rent and they are getting thrown out of their homes at huge rates we Hope everyone will pay attention to this. This is a huge human rights crisis. And uh, one thing we recommend uh, this week is to donate to organizations that are engaged in uh, protecting people um, during this housing crisis. Uh, One uh, organization is called the Human Utility and it pays people's water bills in Michigan and Baltimore um, and we'll have the link in our show notes. It's www.detroitwaterproject.org. Um, another is the National Low Income Housing Coalition. Um, they have uh, organized uh, information on a number of different state organizations. So you can look into that, maybe at your local level, and find a way to contribute. Um, and we will have the link uh, to that in our show notes as well. It's nlihc.org slash rental-assistance.
2: We know that there is a lot to pay attention to and it's easy to feel overwhelmed and fatigued. Um, And we hope, you know, these little calls to action can just maybe help you focus your energy for the week in a small way. Even if, you know, you can just donate $10 to the human utility or $5, um, those amounts do add up. And if it's the difference between someone, you know, getting their bills paid and, not having water or not having rent, that's a huge, that makes a huge difference.
3: Yeah. Or, you know, you can also contact your local officials um, yes. and, and ask for policy level solutions, which is also a really important way to combat this. You don't have to have money to to try to make a change. Uh, Absolutely.
2: No, thank you, Claire. I think that's incredibly, incredibly important. And obviously that's how people were staying in their homes during the first few months of this pandemic was because, you know, governors were taking action around this stuff. So we'd we definitely like to see more of that. Now it's time for us to pivot on back to Trista, and Alex Michelle, our bachelor mother and father. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy Chris
1: Harrison.
2: <laughs> Let's start with our overall takeaways. How did we
3: feel after watching last night's episode, Claire? Um, well, it's complicated. Uh, I mean, the first half of the episode... Um, gave me intense deja vu. I, we watched most of these clips so many times to prepare for our live show, um, our live shows. And so to revisit Alex Michelle's season in like a highlight supercut. cut, um, I was like, is it 2019 again? Um, Trista's season was really fun to revisit. It's been a few years since I rewatched that. But like, man, to be dropped back in 2002 to 2003, It feels like it was filmed like 50 years ago. The style, the film quality, it's very retro. It it
2: truly is. And even the difference between Trista's season and Alex's season, you could tell the budget went up. So many more candles, so many more flowers, (laughs) just a year apart. Um, I was also really struck by... The fact that the overwhelming whiteness of the show and the overwhelming prudishness around sex, which to me are two of this franchise's defining features and you know things that we have been speaking about since we started our podcast, weren't so entrenched in the first seasons um, yeah. you know there were a lot more candid conversations about sex. Trista talks about it. Amanda, who Alex ended up choosing, spoke very openly about sex. Uh, the first, you know, kiss of the franchise is between Alex and a black woman, Laniece Adams, who, who we'll be speaking to later. Um, and then all of a sudden you get like a year or two later and clearly someone has made a decision to lean into...
0: Whiteness. Uh, whiteness.
2: Lean into whiteness and perhaps the uh, a more... Uh, christian evangelical type audience that feels that level of discomfort around sex as well um it it, it's striking to me
3: yeah it's interesting you know i wonder if part of it actually was the process of women going through the show in terms of the, the the conversations about sex that you know we did get pretty frank conversations from Amanda about what she, she was interested in, in the bedroom and Trista talking about how she has a sexual past. Um And Trista talked uh, last night during the special about how judged she got for, yeah. for being sexual and how she was told that she was going to come off like a flag for like dating all these guys with Lucy. And uh and I wonder if like as the show went on and contestants saw how certain things were reacted to by the audience, if that became a feedback loop because yeah. you do very quickly start to see the show um, becoming more, even more conservative in certain ways than it was uh, initially. Right, uh, and Trist- let's be seasons- clear, was not some sort of like progressive bastion. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It, in some, some ways it, it became more more liberal than it was in the first couple seasons. It's a weird, a weird mixture. It's not a straight line. Um, Trista's season was much wider than Alex's already. Um, So that, you know, also was a a moment where we really see them pivoting um, in a more conservative direction. And then, you know, in the last 10 years or so, they started to cast more diverse contestants again. Um, So it's an interesting little time capsule. (laughs) interesting is definitely a word um
2: the fashion which we went very deep on in our you know live shows um was back and i just i just love you know speaking of time capsule that 0203 fashion the lack of botox the plethora of of frosted makeups of all yeah. kinds on the eyes on the lips is there is there anywhere that can't be frosted
3: but like a burgundy frosted lipstick is simply not something that you really see these days, <laughs> and so it's quite it's it's quite a jolting to see yes. when when it's not on trend. You're like, oh, that is, but you know the bachelor timeline you can kind of do through lip colors, you know you really it's see true. them go through the dark frosted and then the nude glossy lip, and then there was the era of really bright matte mm-hmm. lipstick. Um, we trace the history of lipstick trends through this show. Um, it's it's a lot to look at. <laughs> it it's is. a lot, yeah. We we
2: also got to see you know the birth of some enduring bachelor and bachelorette tropes. We saw the journey framed as a fairy tale multiple times. Mm. We saw the bachelor assessing is this woman wife material because I'm looking for a wife we saw the origination of will you accept this rose, which the most iconic line there is out there, (laughs) Um, as well as, can I steal him for a sack?
3: (laughs) And I'm
2: not here to make friends. I mean, without which our show would not have its clever title.
3: Exactly. Where would we be without that? I don't know. Uh, The question of like being on the show for the right or wrong reasons, we start to see um, although that was not nearly so entrenched in the, the, the moral fabric <laughs> no. of, of the show. Um, so it, it, it's crazy to go back to that, the founding moment, um, and see that already all of those things were present and they just hadn't really had a chance to like grow Calcify. into mighty <laughs> yeah. red ones. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, we also learned that Alex Michelle remains at large you know he has been very adamant obviously that he wants nothing to do with this show since he went through the whole tabloid uh system after after the uh, in that initial season um he has refused to come on for any of the bachelor specials and this one is no different despite the fact that Chris is teasing it as though Alex is going to suddenly appear in the midst of, like, his teenage son filming. It's very odd and have a real, you know, predictable disappointment when he does not, in fact, show up.
3: Yeah. I mean, he was never going to show but it's no. funny to me how they keep acting like he's literally impossible to find. I'm sure ABC can want find him. To do with you. <laughs> they just can't make him come on zoom, zoom into this reunion. Yeah. He's probably um, like, no, thank you. They're making I'm it sound good. like he fled the country. <laughs> like, come on. Um, so let's, let's dig into his season, uh, blow by blow. Um, <sighs> We're introduced our, our to Our favorite Alex. goober. Our favorite uh, goober. You know, we see him, you know, contemplating life in various collared knitwear, uh, brushing his teeth with great gusto, which I really admire. Um, we actually get a glimpse of the first ever Bachelor promo, which... Which, oh, this was amazing. Incredible. Uh, like, that was something genuinely new and delightful for me to see. Uh, you know, A-B- presents the classic story of boy meets girl, meets girl meets girl meets girl meets girl meets girl meets girl a bachelor a true true love story I mean a true true it's great love branding. story it's a
2: good really good branding it's very simple to the point it works I, I get it I see why 20 million people watch the premiere which is insane 20 million people don't watch anything at once now because we have way too much programming but back yeah. then
3: you tuned into what was on yeah, the only thing 20 million people are watching at once right now is fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different time. Um, so we we start to see some of the the top moments from the season. We do see the first kiss of the franchise uh, between Alex and Laniece, uh, which actually happens during a group date in Las Vegas as they are... On a gondola ride in the Just lobby of a Vegas, casino. Another story, bachelor <laughs> tradition. <laughs> uh, exactly, um, and we we cut over a lot of people. Um, a lot of, I mean, we only have half an hour and a half to cover this season, so a lot of stuff gets cut. But we do uh, get a little spotlight on Rhonda who burst many of the great Bachelor tropes that we referenced above, including I'm not here to make friends. She was the first I'm not here to make friends girl. And the first
2: ambulance calls, probably unnecessarily, and the first here for the wrong reasons. I mean, like... Yeah. She's a pioneer. Bow down.
3: Alex calls her a genius. He thinks she's a genius. He calls her this directly before he sends her home, naturally. (laughs) Um, But he's right. She has a way with words. Like, she really just comes up with these perfect little uh, bon mots to kind of sum up the situation.
2: Right, like talk about good branding. Rhonda, they should pay her to be honest. (laughs) Um, Shannon also gets a little spotlight who also just an iconic reality television turn. She is like the most uptight person to ever, ever, you know,
3: exist on this show and it's incredible. She's a rules girl. I mean, this was the era of Charlotte York. This was the era of the rules. Um, And so, you know, Shannon doesn't kiss on the first date and Shannon doesn't even really like it when Alex mentions kissing. It's better to pretend that kissing doesn't exist. She's, you know, of course, horrified by the concept of a fantasy suite,
2: which I don't believe was called a fantasy suite until Trista's season. But, you know, she understood the concept. Yeah. Uh, and her exit remains just one of the best. She is so cold and appears, she has that like cutting, vicious politeness of, Have well, fun. No, it's fine. Yeah. Bye. Have fun. She walks. She turns around dramatically, comes all the way back over. He thinks he's about to be murdered. <laughs> She asks again, why? And he gives her some like bumbling speech. Alex cannot even get words out. And she's like, all right, mm -hmm, have fun, bye. And then goes to the limo and says, I think Alex is weak.
3: Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Honestly, there is something very super villainy about that, uh, about that line in the episode in the best possible way. Uh, when she gets in the limo and her voice says, I think Alex is weak. It's just brutal. Um, I mean, Alex is sort of correct. We don't get much of a glimpse of it in this supercut, but Shannon didn't seem to like him very much. Um, no. They're constantly fighting in the very little time they have together. Um, she's very understandably critical of him a lot. Um, they don't seem to have fun together. And Alex sort of tells her when she asks him why he's like, I think we would struggle together too much. I, I don't think that it would be good for you. I don't think I would make you happy. Um, and I sense that Shannon is like a little disappointed in herself that she undercut her first cold exit by turning around to ask him why and then trying to do it again. But <laughs> that's what makes it such great television. Yeah,
2: it worked for us. And then we uh, we see Amanda. Amanda, who we just adore on this podcast. You know, she we had her on our final live show and she was just a damn delight. Highly recommend you listen to that episode because she spills a whole lot of tea. Yeah, way more than she does with Chris Harrison. Exactly. Um, There's a lot of big emotional moments that the show tries to highlight in this recap. They do play the moment when Amanda describes that her father died in a really sudden and traumatic way when she was young and alex's response to this like incredibly emotional disclosure is wow
3: wow wow i mean he's not wrong wow i mean wow yeah uh and then he toasts to a beautiful and super cool woman which she is it's just what it's just what you want to hear you're like i thank you i am super cool (laughs) Uh, they show a conversation, uh, where Amanda tells him that she is very creative sexually and she wants to, um, uh, you know, involve costumes and role play, including a Wonder Woman outfit that she, uh, likes to wear and that her ex-husband, uh, didn't go for that. And it, it sort of contributed to their breakup.
2: Yeah, they, um kind of leave out the part that she is describing all of this within the context of talking about her abusive you know emotionally abusive ex-husband um instead they're just like Alex being like yeah she's got some creative sexuality and I'm here to appreciate her in a way she's never been
3: appreciated I think he actually says that he's getting it like a gift
2: yeah oh he's getting it like a gift and no one has appreciated it it
3: before him but now that he's received this gift which is being definitely offered to him for sure yeah he owns it now it's yes it's still his today which is crazy to think about because they haven't (laughs) seen each other in years um and of course Alex's season also was where the nation met Trista the the mother of the franchise um and I you know she's really objectified pretty heavily on Alex's season a lot of close-ups of her bikini body there's at one point showering (laughs) like (laughs) at one point she's in the hot tub at the mansion with some of the other women and one of them says she has the body of a 17-year-old, which I guess is supposed to be a compliment. But, like, she's almost 30 at the time. Yeah, well, it's you know, just... too old to have a good body, not like a 17-year-old. Right. It... That's when oh. your body is good. Yeah. Um, oh, gross. Let's move on. It's still clear, even in this very brief supercut, that Trista just didn't really... Like Alex? Like <laughs> Alex very much. And, like, I think that she thought that she did... But it's very um, telling. She's talking that she, herself into it. She's, she's trying to herself convince into herself it. into liking him. She tells him, like, I'm in like with you. I'm not in love. And it's very business-like tone that I think is just revealing that she is trying to be into him. But her body and her <laughs> emotions... Is repelling him. <laughs> they just know that it's not working.
2: <laughs> uh, Alex is like a real, just dweeby little goober. That That poor man even... He, I for, had forgotten that he had vomited mid, in the middle of one of their dates and he talks all about how Trista is like so caring to him and we cut to a shot of her looking out the window not even facing him gently patting his leg <laughs> he's like wow she's so nurturing, so nurturing.
3: <laughs> he really wanted Trista to be into him too which fair enough um, she has real bachelorette energy, even yeah, you, on this. It, it's very season. clear.
2: It's so clear why she became the Bachelorette. She's incredibly telegenic. She's incredibly composed. She, you know, and she was a person who made sense for them to kind of hang their pseudo-feminist mission on. You know, she's extremely hot, very well educated, desperate for kids and a marriage but also can you know articulate what it means to be a strong woman she's like that really that dream combination for a show like the bachelor
3: and she doesn't project neediness you know she projects like that she must be won over even when she's a contestant and that's you know if you're gonna be the lead you can't please everyone you've got to wait for them to win you over so she's she's already ready for that before she even steps on set as the lead um, but apparently Alex tells Trista that he's going to pick her um, during their last chance date and Q two obviously him not picking her when the finale actually comes finale in which both women are
2: draped in their own dresses very clearly doing like their own hair and makeup still um, both wearing sort of odd jewelry which I believe Amanda revealed to us were pieces given by Alex to the women which made sense because like neither of them seemed to really reflect their individual style.
3: Yeah Trista's wearing sort of a multi-strand pearl choker which is unlike anything we've seen her in to that point and Amanda's wearing sort of a pendant with an irregular large stone on it not really their usual vibe plus they are both given like identical black shawls uh which they both end up having to wear to the proposal site because it's freezing (laughs) so there's it's not quite as carefully styled as later season finales um and first we uh we see alex picking out his ring not with neil lane this is pre-neil lane um he's helped instead by a uh some uh I think they're at Harry Winston or something of that sort, um, being helped by uh, a very uh, friendly saleswoman. Very tasteful ring selection. It's Nothing very like shocking to today. see.
2: It's very shocking to see. You're like, where are the other 12 halos? I'm confused. I didn't know engagement rings could be this way. <laughs> but of course, that engagement ring only just barely sees the light of day because when Alex picks Amanda, he shows her the ring, that takes it away. <laughs> I have this ring. I'm not going to give it to you.
3: Yeah. I'm going to hold on to this. If you're a very, very girl. Just move you know, to California. You know I have it, so. <laughs> and we'll be good. Yeah, he, he asks her to move to California so they can start their life together. Amanda is overjoyed. Um, they clearly have a very fun, like she brings out a really good side in Alex. He's very funny with her relaxed, um, they have great chemistry, and she's clearly just over the moon. Trista, heartbroken, but not super heartbroken, leaves in the limo being like, I didn't really want to get engaged anyway, but <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad, I guess, it's sad. I mean, he told me he would pick me, so I feel, you know, kind of sad. That he didn't. <laughs> um, but uh, Alex and Amanda ride off into the sunset, uh, very briefly, you know, I think they ended up dating for around a year, and then we do get catch ups with uh contestants throughout uh First, we hear from Laise and Rhonda,
2: yeah, you know, just two icons right there. Lynise kind of talks about how they were sort of lab rats, this being the whole the first season, and Rhonda says that she genuinely thought that she was having an asthma attack when um when the ambulance is called. That's her big dramatic exit, is she ha- thinks she's having an asthma attack, but in fact it is a panic attack. And of course they gleefully capture all of this on film. And she's like, I just promised myself I wasn't gonna cry on national TV, but then I, I did something so much worse, <laughs> so much worse. She also <laughs> says that though she coined the phrase, I'm not here to make friends, she in fact did make a lot of friends on the show and did not leave with a boyfriend. So, yeah, you know. <laughs>
3: It is really lovely how it seems like a lot of the women... You know, Shannon is framed as something of a villain because I think she doesn't like Alex that much, Um, although she thinks she does. Um, She's very critical of Alex, but she's close friends with a lot of the women, it seems like, throughout the season and has stayed friends with a lot of them. So I, I love seeing... How much less there was at this time of an expectation that they would be pitted against each other, and even totally. Rhonda, who says she's not there to make friends, is not immune to the charm of female friendship.
2: Exactly. We also get to see, um, you know, both Amanda and Shannon call in from their beautifully appointed kitchens. Just some very good islands there.
3: I love oh, yeah. to see it. I'm apartment um, hunting right now, so yeah. I was, I'm just I was like, almost like, will move to What's Kansas. that
2: backs? what's that backsplash there tell me
3: more Um, um
2: and yeah you know shannon brings her husband justin and their two cute sons out and you know she she basically live tv guilts chris into offering her a personalized uh invitation to the bachelor mansion which you know what i respect shoot your shot
3: Yeah. And, you know, like a lot of people revisiting these seasons, she, um, is asked about her, her most embarrassing moment on the show, probably, which was her exit where she is very cold to Alex, um, and seems very blindsided. And she says, you know, I didn't act very maturely. I'm kind of, you know, she's embarrassed by how that went down, but she's like, you know, I really thought I was going to get the rose. I was really prepared to take the next step. And, uh, I just was being myself and like showing how I was actually I feeling. was just real pissed at him, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, fair. Uh, um,
2: um, Amanda, I'm- you know, talks us through kind of her relationship with Alex. Um, the fact that they, she did move to California, but then back to Kansas cause she got a job in radio. She like had, I think some trouble really getting settled in, in California and finding work, which like understandably would not sit, sit well for her. Um, you know, they dated a little over a year, but like, it doesn't seem like there are any hard feelings. They were in touch on their birthdays until quite recently, although she has not seen him since. Um, maybe he
3: did flee the country. Maybe he did.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she talks about, you know, going to a movie premiere and Brad and Jen were there together, which like throwback cause they were still <laughs> married and Jennifer Aniston wished the, the couple, um you know, congratulations. Unfortunately, neither of those couples lasted, but that is like a great snapshot of 2002 pop culture.
3: Oh yeah. The red carpet in that era. I was reading, you know, fashion blogs back then. I can like envision it. Oh yeah. Um, And now she is, you know, she's a nurse practitioner. She has a 10 year old daughter. Uh, She's engaged. We don't get to meet the guy, which is unfortunate. Um, They
2: edited him out apparently yeah
3: uh yeah and then it's time for Trista's season we take a brief pit stop to hear demi and nicole uh of bachelor nation make fun of some of the fashion from these seasons great job they did a great job Um, yeah uh but i don't think we have anything to add to that except again uh Listen to our recaps of this season. Cause exactly. We, we roast everyone, including
2: Chris Harrison. Oh, uh, so, yeah. yeah. Trista season where feminism originated.
3: Yeah. Never before had a woman been able to pick between different guys on a dating show. I think <laughs> that The Bachelorette was the first time. Wow.
2: And um, then sexism was solved after that. So yeah, we're all grateful. Uh-huh. We get to see a handful of the men that were there to win... Trista's heart, and they sort of form this like great template for the kind of people that we still see on the Bachelorette. Um, most of them are white. I think I saw exactly like one black man, but we we got people like Jamie, a failed pro basketball player. I mean, how many second rate pro athletes end
3: up on the Bachelorette? You know, Just, he, he so turned many. on a contract to go on the Bachelorette in Germany. <laughs> the german basketball league in 2002 i can't say i know much about it to be honest um but we'll look into it (laughs) um yeah just a lot of square-headed you know shiny toothed men the haircuts were not as on point i have to say did men just learn about barbers five years ago and there
2: was the gel the like spiky gel situation that russ had also why is russ an actual name i mean so I have so many thoughts about Russ. He was in the top three, but really was only featured as like a fool in the first few episodes in this recap. He gives Trista the Tiffany's bracelet um, that I think I got for my bat mitzvah upon yeah. entering, which is just like a real desperado move. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, they've guy. cut
3: back on the expensive night one gifts in the past few years, yeah. I have to say. <laughs> um, we have a, a token like funny guy uh, Bob, Bob Guinea, who ended up becoming The Bachelor. Um, I think
2: he he's was the first um, a- approachable, accessible mold of Guy on The Bachelorette that then, you know, turns out to be a total mess because, like, his sexual capital explodes after the fact.
3: Yeah, a proud tradition yeah. in Bachelor Nation. Uh, and then we have the two leads, Charlie, who she, you know, has great sexual chemistry with and ryan who is extremely romantic he gives her letter night one he's always writing her poetry he's very soft-spoken and of course he's a fireman so like that's what he's serving he's like the perfect bachelor contestant a poet fireman former football player except that his hair was cut by a weed whacker or so, like he just doesn't really have a haircut it's like he just started grabbing pieces of it and hacking at it with scissors and yet he's still so handsome you know that's just that's the power of ryan
2: yeah exactly we see the first bachelorette pool party um you know just more chances for everyone to wear as little clothing as possible yet another story tradition of this show um jamie's like yeah I almost got a boner in the shower with Trista. Which yeah,
3: so there's is not normally referenced. There's a one-on-one kind of component to this pool party, which is that one of them is going to get a massage with Trista, and she says they get to pick who who does it. Which I thought, like, if it were me, I would be thinking, oh, it'd be interesting to see who they pick because maybe that's a guy who gets along with other guys or something. But of course they choose to do it by rock, paper, scissors, which gives her nothing. I I
2: kind of loved that because (laughs) it was not like, they weren't like, let's arm wrestle.
3: They were like rock, paper, scissors, man. It's about to get. That's fair. That's That's fair. fair. Um, So they get a massage together and then a shower together. um, And then a boner together. And a boner together. Um, And he says something about how he has to think about rats to, like, yeah. calm his his, calm his raging boner. <laughs> again, something that you don't hear a lot about on uh, on The Bachelor anymore. Um, but a, he, he a does his best to be gentlemanly. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't say this to her, to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. This is to the
2: camera. <laughs> um, but again, that is just, like, the kind of comment that you would just not hear further on um, unless it was, like, framed in a really, really, really gross way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he then goes back and, and does ask consent to kiss her, which
3: I appreciated.
2: Very and that's classy.
3: all we see of Jamie, just a boner and a makeout. Yeah. So uh, moving into the final four, uh, Greg. I'd forgotten oh, about Greg. For Greg. Justice, justice for Greg. Justice for Greg and his
2: small New York apartment. Look, real estate here is very expensive. You can't expect someone who lives in New York City to have the same size
3: real estate as someone who's like in Iowa? Yeah. I mean, someone like Greg would not in this day and age take the bachelorette to their New York apartment for hometowns. You would take them to, you know, your family home, like your aunt's home or your parents' home on Long Island or in Iowa that's bigger, ideally, or maybe you rent one if it's not nice enough. And this is why. It's because Trista walks into his studio apartment and looks like she has been stabbed in the stomach. Like, she collapses onto the couch and just stares around her with her mouth, like, slightly open. And he offers her a drink and she's like, just, uh, I need water.
2: She's, she's like,
3: just crawling out of her skin. Yeah, she, she she literally says something like, says, "I don't want to judge Greg. I don't know why he lives in this situation."
2: You're like, maybe money, Trista. Maybe like he's one person, and under normal circumstances, that aren't a pandemic, people in New York don't like sit in their apartments that much.
3: It's it, New York is very expensive. <laughs> um, like she's acting, and like to be clear, like there's no shame in not living in a nice. Or large place anywhere ever but yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. like she it's also an
2: absurd gross classist thing but like right. she acts as though there's no context by which some places in this country are like more expensive to live in than others right it's like she-, she
3: thought she was going to walk into a new york apartment and it would look inside like a mcmansion
2: also he's only one person like he doesn't need a massive like i'm confused.
3: That said he also appears to use his kitchen as a storage space. That is more concerning. Had not cleaned it in a while. Um so it's not the best but like if I were her age 29 at the time and I were to meet a man who had his own apartment <laughs> I'd be like wow. I'm I'd really be like wow.
2: Wow you live alone. <laughs> That's amazing. You don't have four roommates. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you have anything on your walls? It doesn't look like a
3: serial killer ward in here. Great. Yeah. I mean, um, he's he's an importer. He has a taste for leather jackets, which was pretty common back then—the sort of slightly oversized leather jacket.
2: His other uh, downfall is that he attempts to
3: rap, and it's very bad. Um, but otherwise, I went very into music. Greg. He plays the guitar. He tells Trista that he would move for her, um, and he, so I don't even know why his apartment would be such a problem. But uh, that was the death knell for Greg, yeah, I think.
2: His New York apartment. We, as we said before, kind of glaze over Russ. He only appears in the top half of, of the recap of her season. And he just comes on way too strong at every stage. He cannot stop talking. Trista literally tries to shut him up by kissing him, but also seems into him. It's It's very confusing.
3: Yeah, I think Russ was one of those classic guys who like had a strong connection with the lead and then like doesn't know how to be cool about it. Yeah. Um, That's kind of the glimpse we get of Russ uh, during, which is that he's alone with Trista during this group date and she is clearly into him and wants to make most of this time. And he's just like overthinking with his mouth, the situation until she literally is like, please stop talking. (laughs) Um, We continue to see that throughout the years on the, on the bachelorette. Um and then we come to the final two uh Charlie uh who seemed like the front runner at the time apparently. I mean, when I watched the season, I felt certainly like I would have picked Charlie. Um he's a bit more of a classic bachelor type than Ryan. Um he's dynamic in terms of he his has, vibe.
2: Yeah, he has a very You know not dominating personality but like a strong and confident personality he seems very sweet he seems open to commitment um they have a really interesting conversation which i found notable in which charlie is sort of like hey i've been cheated on in the past so it would make me really uncomfortable if we were sexually intimate and then you were intimate with someone else and she's pushes back on him and is like look, I, I understand why you feel that way, but we're in this situation and I need to be able to be, to not feel like I'm holding myself back with either of you and not be thinking about the other one of you, you know, and letting that determine my actions. I need to have the option of intimacy with both of you. And he's like, yeah, that that makes sense. I hear you, makes total sense. Like, you know, she, Trista, I, and I, it makes... It made me remember why Trista was so vocal um, around Hannah Brown Mm. when Hannah was talking about having sex. It was like, oh, Trista like sort of gave that speech in a less
3: intense way in two thousand three. It is funny how you know we see them at this stage having these conversations about the fantasy suite and like I don't want you the lead to do certain things in the fantasy suite that. I feel like over the years, it became seen as bad gameplay or like gauche to bring that up on camera because everyone knows that's what the fantasy suite is for. You can't look like you came in not willing to go along with the premise of the show. And then more recently, we start seeing people bringing it up again. Yeah, Very
2: interesting. Um, And then we get to our leading man, our winner, Ryan, who's just a puddle of sweetness and poetry and earnestness. He's not falling in love with Trista anymore. He's,
3: how would you say? Submersed. Submersed in, in love. It sounds like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, they, they replay um, a little snippet from their relationship where he says, oh, I thought you were just keeping me around for the poetry that I write you. So I thought I won't write her a poem this week and see what happens. She gives him the rose anyway. It's not just the poetry. Um, they, they, they both have, a, they have a very similar vibe. Like their energy is clearly well-matched. They're both sort of soft-spoken, reserved, but with a very, very soft, gooey, warm center. They both just want to be in love. They want to have a family. And, um, so it makes a lot of sense in retrospect. I think that Charlie had that dynamic quality that made it, made him seem like the person who would be picked, but in actuality, Ryan is such a great, vibe match for for Trista and and it, they're still together today.
2: Yeah, it's incredibly sweet. We get a little clip of
3: their wedding and Trista's
2: very intense side bangs uh, and their very saccharine vows, but yeah, they're, they're still in love today and we get check-ins with both Charlie and then Trista and Ryan. To me, Charlie looked like a fully different man. Like it was a striking... Change to me versus like the other people we checked in with.
3: Well, I think often it's the case too that the women we see again have not (laughs) aged at all. Like, you see Amanda, you see Lanise The amount of heat that goes into like being a woman who has some expectation of being in the public eye is so intense that, like, yeah, you see these women in their 40s that look almost identical to how they looked in their 20s. And Charlie looks like you know what you would expect if you know you marry someone, and then like twenty years later, you know, yeah, he looks older. Like yeah, he's it, it, cute. He it, still looks.
2: He still looks good. It was just, I think his like hair was dyed darker or something. Um, yeah, he just looks
3: different. You know, he yeah. looks he he looks like an older version of himself in a way that isn't usually what we see during these check-ins. And yeah. I I liked it. He looks very happy. Uh He has. He's married um he met his wife at the phoenix open and they live in arizona with their one-year-old daughter so so
0: cute so and cute chris, seems very happy. Uh,
3: upon meeting them says that he can't wait to welcome their daughter onto the bachelor in 22 years when she's 23
2: <laughs> chris like i'm sorry chris has got to go like i'm so over him watching this just makes me. i'm like you are so antiquated
3: it was distressing. It's very distressing. He
2: I don't know, like, put him it's away. Time,
3: like we need to like can we just hope that in twenty forty two there are some better options for a twenty-three than year old Harrison. other oh, than then, then to go on this show?
2: Yes. That to, to find and a also
3: husband.
2: and also better options than being subjected to dating alongside Chris Harrison. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we'll see. I mean it it' It's rough to see, like, jokes like that. You know, I I can tell that he loves kids and he is friends with a lot of these former contestants and is happy to see their families. But you just, you can't. It's just revealing. I don't think right he now. means,
2: he doesn't mean anything bad by it. It's just, like, indicative of his whole sort of
3: benevolently sexist vibe. And I'm just going to over it. Absolutely. Uh, We get to check in with Trista, uh, who is on her own because Ryan is in the Denver Fire Academy. So his firefighting career continues. Um, And again,
2: yeah, they talk about how Trista received like a kind of anti-feminist backlash when the show first started, uh, a sexist backlash. And then they surprise Trista by videoing Ryan in from Denver. And they both are like in tears over how in love with each other they still are. It's, it's, It melted even my cold heart, you know, and they're, they're two like tween kids come in who like clearly have no interest in being on camera. (laughs) They've now reached the age where they're like, my parents are an embarrassment. Um, And Tris is just like, yeah, this was the dream and I got it. And it was, you know, very sweet. Let's real quick go through a few things that we wish um, they had not left out from last night's recap.
3: Yeah, I mean, some of the contestants they left out from Alex's season, because we know the season so well, I was sad that we didn't see Melissa, who, you know, her whole thing was that she was desperate for Alex to kiss her and give her attention. But then by the time she was eliminated, she was shocked because he had told her basically that he was going to pick her. Um, And she you know that's a kind of contestant that we don't see very much anymore because they all know better than to believe the lead when he tells them (laughs) that they're gonna go to the next week together.
1: We also Um,
3: missed out on Kim
2: who was in Alex's top four and was basically only picked because she was blonde and her family was just this incredible hunting family that like was like, Alex, you better be prepared to like shoot seven wild boars and skin them and stuff them on your
3: wall. And it was just great television. And she was just skipped over altogether. Yeah. I mean, it's really a wild, like wildly entertaining, (laughs) weird scene when Alex, you know, has a few women that he clearly has good connections with. Lanise, Christina, who was uh, not really present in the episode. um, But he says in that, in that, episode that he thinks of her as like being his girlfriend already they clearly have like quite a connection and he's gonna pick one of those women in his final slot before hometowns and then he sits down with Kim they don't really have much to say to each other he looks into her blue eyes he looks at her blonde hair he makes out with her for a little bit and then he's like I think I'd just be crazy not to pick Kim because she's so gorgeous (laughs) and wow I mean to not even the pretension to a deeper meaning behind that choice um truly very first season of the show
2: yeah we also in Trista's season you know we at first they sort of framed it as though Trista was going to be the one doing the proposing at the end uh which doesn't end up happening so of course they kind of cut that framing completely out but again just another thing that I find notable and and telling about you know just how committed
3: this show was to the feminist mission yeah they're like can you imagine a woman proposing to a man i mean i'm gonna have to keep imagining it because it never (laughs) has happened on this show um and we get a uh, bachelor in quarantine check-in this week it's with cassie uh cassie recently went through a breakup with colton um And so Chris clearly wanted to have her on to talk about that. And she doesn't want to play ball.
2: Not at all. And this is the thing that's so kind of great about Cassie is that she seems like the perfect, you know, printed out of a 3D printer person for this show. But in fact, she kind of doesn't give a shit about the game of the show. You know, she was willing to leave because she didn't want to get proposed to. national tv she didn't want to get engaged then you know she and colton broke up cassie left social media for 30 days and then she goes on to do this interview with chris and he keeps trying to ask her in various ways about her relationship and all she says is like you know nope wasn't about that nope wasn't about that nope actually our relationship was great and um i'm really not going to tell you anything because
3: that's not fair to colton so (sighs) yep And like the entire conversation is
2: essentially useless.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so Colton was one of the first um, people who came out publicly like celebrities to say that he had COVID-19. And so Chris is sort of saying, oh, must have been hard on your relationship to have quarantine and then for him to be sick. And she's like, no, it actually brought us closer together. So that's that's irrelevant. And uh, we have always had a great relationship. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, She also admits that she's sort of nervous. Like, it's tough for her to be a public figure. She's a little nervous even about being on the show. And Chris is like, "Yeah, you can tell." Which is always a great way to
2: make someone loosen up. Is the tact. yeah, you seem. It's like when you're like, "Oh, I probably look like shit," and someone's like, "Yeah, you do look like shit right now." Yeah, doesn't that make you feel better about
3: it? <laughs> Um, so that, that really is about all we get from Cassie and in two weeks, looks like we're getting a little break next week, a little break from the joy of the (laughs) The bachelor, the greatest seasons ever Ever. in two weeks, we are going to revisit Brad Womack and you're, you're wondering which season both of them, I mean, why stop at one when you can have two. I have only seen the second Brad Max season. So I'm excited to get a little Me taste too. of the season that made America hate him <laughs> so much. Um, and then it will be Brad's, Brad's second season was the first one I ever watched. So I'm pretty excited. Wow, a, big, a big week for you. Oh, yeah.
2: So now we're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we will hear from Lenice Adams, who is on Alex Michelle's season of The Bachelor. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next.
3: If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about Springtime vibes are in the air, and when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers
2: all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, low-dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month.
3: Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in
2: your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out. You won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space. And even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house.
3: Our producer, Talon, has been using Pretty Litter, and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan, and we know that you will be too.
2: Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy.
3: That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy.
2: prettylitter.com slash LTSI.
3: Terms and conditions
2: apply. See site for details. Looks good doing it.
3: Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To
2: claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout.
3: That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.
2: Before we get back to the show, we want to introduce you to a new member of the HuffPost podcast family. D is for Desire. It's hosted by our colleague Noah Michelson and explores sex, sexuality, relationships, and love from angles you could never have imagined in health class. So
3: here's the trailer for D is for Desire. We hope you enjoy.
0: Hey, I'm Noah Michelson, and this is D is for Desire. I'm 42 years old. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to bottom again. Right. That's terrible. I'm still in the prime of my sex life. The podcast where we throw sex ed, love, relationships, and a whole bunch of questions into a blender. And then just sort of throw it all at the wall.
2: Too fat, too skinny, too muscular, not muscular enough, too hairy, not hairy. Like, was there a committee that sat down and was like,
0: this is what genitals are supposed to look like?
2: You know, there's not one type of person that likes porn. Everyone likes porn. I think we all know that.
0: Desire takes many forms. Even unexpected ones.
2: I was reading a Sherlock Holmes
3: fan fiction, of all
2: things.
0: We'll introduce you to sex witches.
3: It kind of runs the gamut whether or not the clients I'm working with know that what they're doing is sex magic or not.
0: And a plastic surgeon who specializes in assholes. Yeah, he's like, I think we can get you bottoming again. I don't think we can get you bottoming again with a porn star. Right. We'll question romance. And the
2: idea that everyone wants it. She just looked at me and she said, it'll happen to
3: you at some point. And I remember thinking, God, I hope not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, there's period sex.
1: There's nothing wrong with it.
0: I wish that period sex didn't have to be a fetish. Some people really enjoy it. Because it's not taboo if it turns you on. Is this a troll or is
2: this an actual fetish that... I can figure out and
3: delve into and somehow satisfy this person.
0: But when you analyze, you start to realize that there's a pattern. How are people preparing for sex? What are they doing? Are they harming themselves? Are they not? And again, it's all because sex ed, especially in the gay world, is absent, right? D is for desire. A new show from HuffPost. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And now, back to the show. Last night, we saw and heard from Lanise Adams, who made History with Alex Michelle as the first ever on-screen kiss in Bachelor history. And we wanted to dive even deeper with Lanise, so we reached out and chatted with her about her time on the show, that kiss, the racism she dealt with from viewers, and so much more.
1: Hey guys, I'm Lanise from season one of The Bachelor, also known as the very first kiss.
3: So uh, we had so much fun revisiting season one of The Bachelor last night and you actually appeared on the, on the episode. What was that like?
1: I did. Um, you know, it was pretty interesting. All of us girls from season one were chatting with each other. I actually got a couple of phone calls. I think we were also having wine and just sort of reminiscing. I think we all kind of cringed Looking at ourselves, I mean, the 23-year-old me was—I was really annoyed with myself. But you know, what can you do?
2: <laughs> oh, to be 23 again. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm personally glad that my 23-year-old self did not <laughs> appear on national television. So you're you're brave. Um, watching back what they kind of chose to highlight on on last night's recap. Was there anything that you were like, oh, I really wish they had included that moment, or anything that you had like forgotten that they did choose to feature?
1: Well, I even cringed um, in, I guess it was my opening interview where I said, you know. I'm not just a pretty face, I'm also this and that. And it just sounded like just so annoying. And I remember that then, and (laughs) so to re-see it, I was like, I forgot I said that. And I didn't (laughs) really mean it that way, but it comes across, I'm like, I'm the perfect girl. It was just so annoying. (laughs) But I will tell you where that came from was I had just gone through a really tough breakup um, and the, the guy just wasn't giving me what I thought I deserved. And so I think that was me kind of trying to talk to myself saying, you know, I'm worth more than what this guy is giving me. I am a good catch. But it came across as me saying, oh my God, like I'm everything, you know, you'd be stupid not to be with me basically, <laughs> but, but I'm still single at 40. So obviously, ugh.
3: A lot of guys are missing out right now. (laughs)
1: Hello. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously.
3: Yeah. You you know, Emma and I rewatched the full season actually last year um, to do recaps, uh, like vintage recaps, which was so fun. And your your boyfriend from before the show ended up being kind of a plot line with the other women in the house, thinking that you were still really focused on him. Like, how did that relationship play into you ending up on the show and the way your arc went on the show?
1: Well, I mean, he's still one of my best friends. It's actually Bill Maher, which they kind of knew. Yeah. So he was my first love. And, you know, we have like a over 20 year age difference. And we started dating when I was 21. And I, I was about 23 when I did the show and our relationship just wasn't where I kind of wanted it to be. And so it was still hard for me. And even when I did the show, I was still like, you know, in love with him. And that's why I was crying. And so the girls saw that. I didn't know that they would go and tell the producers. But obviously in the house, you kind of want to have a leg up. So they use that against me, me kind of opening up to them and saying like how heartbroken I still was because um, I didn't necessarily want to do the bachelor. I did the bachelor because, you know, I was like, well, what am I going to lose? You know, I'm, I'm, my relationship's not working out anyway, but you know, Bill and I are still friends. I just spoke to him yesterday. So, um, you know. That's that. It just <laughs> you don't always get what you want, you know. It's
2: so wild because details like that and even the way that they, you know, as you said, used it against you on the show, like that would have been so like milked so much more intensely had it been, you know, 2020 Bachelor. You, oh, yeah. you would have had entire episodes <laughs> just about like is Lenice here for the right reason? Is <laughs> <laughs> still in love with her? ex how exactly. could she
1: well and that's kind of how it felt even at the time when I saw it and I saw I think it was Amanda who told Alex at the rose ceremony like they didn't show that last night but at the rose ceremony she's like oh my god Lanise was like just crying over her ex and when I saw it I'm like I thought you were my friend. Are you kidding me? I mean, the stuff you see when you watch this stuff back, it's just like, uh, but we're all friends now because all's fair in love and war, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and none of you ended up with Alex and you all seem better off for it, so.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I kind of, for a while, I I, I I hate is a strong word, but I was I was hurt. I was hurt, and so I was just like, ugh, like, ew, he's put on weight. Who cares? I'm glad it didn't work out, you know? (laughs) Now I'm glad he's happy. We've seen some photos. He's married with kids, and I'm really happy for him because you know what? He's a nice guy, and I thought he was attractive. He's a good kisser. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy for him.
2: that's so nice to hear yeah he's he's very elusive
3: that's Mm -hmm. more of an update than we've gotten about Alex from any other source (laughs) anywhere um so walk us through a little bit the actual process of how you ended up on the show like did you apply did did someone reach out to you to cast you
1: yeah no I didn't apply um I had been doing since I was an actress at the time um, I had been doing dating shows. I was kind of running the circuit of like, but you guys probably weren't even born then, but there were <laughs> shows like change of heart and all these kind of little shows. And I used to do them just to kind of have fun and make money. And I made a lot of friends in the business doing that yeah. too. And so I got a text. Well, actually not a text. A text wasn't even around that day, that year, but I got a phone call saying, Hey, Lenise, we think you would be great for this new show, go down there and, and do an interview. So I went down there. I interviewed with casting and I, it all went so fast. I think within three weeks I was on, I was taping. Wow.
3: wow so yeah. for you, this was just like another, another dating show on your resume of, of dating shows
1: that's what i thought it was going to be and another reason i actually had just booked a commercial and i had to pick between shooting a commercial or checking into the bachelor mansion and since this was on abc i was like you know what i should probably just go through to do this abc show because i thought it could also lead to other things as well i wasn't sure so for me, it just seemed like uh, there was no reason not to take this chance. And it just so happens that I started to like Alex as well. You know, I didn't plan to really. I didn't think I would. I thought because I'm so picky. I thought that, oh, there's no way I'm going to like this guy. But I did. Yeah. Was
3: that the first time that had happened to you on a dating show? Yes. Yes
1: yes i hadn't oh yeah the other dating it's like oh god i'm like really (laughs) no thanks guy i mean uh that's why i really i mean even the bachelor producers had kind of reached out to me to do more stuff but since i date older men um i just didn't think that it would be for me anymore really you know Fair,
2: fair enough <laughs> I mean it's it's so wild because you know there wasn't really there right now there's like such a wide variety of reality TV it's a very, very clear you know start to someone's career or a career path to other things back yeah. in 2001 2002 that that didn't really exist and all of a sudden you're on the first season of this show that went on to be this big thing has yeah. it been wild for you to sort of watch um how long this franchise has kind of stayed in the public conversation.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm amazed. It's just like, you know, because we all remember sh- a shooting season 1, like I feel like I've known Chris Harrison. I've seen his uh career and I've seen him grow. And the fact that the show is still on even after a few years, I thought it was crazy. And I actually, I mean, I had gone through a depression after The Bachelor. And so I wasn't able to watch for quite some time because it just felt like putting salt in a wound. And I remember thinking, why is this show still on? I mean, every time it would be a new season, I'd be like, oh, I can't get away from it. But after a while, after I began to you know, heal and my life was fine, then I started getting into it and I kind of, enjoyed it more. And now I'm glad it's on. It's, it's fun. It's great for a, um, a cocktail party to talk about and laugh, you know? Um, but I, I think it's a phenomenon and I, and I love the producers. I think they're great people. I think it couldn't have happened to better people. Um, I, I enjoy the show, you know, and, uh, I'm glad it's still on and I'm glad to have been a part of, the legacy. A
3: big part. I mean, first, first kiss of the franchise and we've got to
2: talk about the kiss.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you discussed it with Chris Harrison a little on the recap show. It sounds like Alex is a good kisser.
1: Yes. That was another surprise. (laughs) I mean, he really, like I said, I was like getting over an ex. So I was surprised that, like, I was feeling this guy and that he was such a great kisser. I mean, it was, like, honestly so perfect. And we kissed, like, a bunch of times because we went through all these bridges. Um, so it was, it caught me by surprise. Even when the gondolier guy was telling us that this is tradition, I didn't think that he would do it because we just got to Vegas. I mean, we don't really know each other, but Alex went for it. And I was all about it because (laughs) I did think he was cute. So I was like, yeah.
2: I mean, we, we respect it. Get like (laughs) you're there to date. You got to find out if someone's a good kisser. Something that's striking for us on, you know, on look back at this is the fact that, you know, the first kiss on the Bachelor franchise was an interracial relationship. And this is from a franchise that then after your season got notably whiter. Mm -hmm. What are your kind of thoughts about that sort of enduring whiteness of the franchise? And, and also, can you talk to us a little bit about what prompted you to have at least um, a short conversation with Alex about interracial dating?
1: Well, I mean, you know, first first off, being the first kiss and it being interracial wasn't a big deal to me because I grew up in LA. I have, my best friends were white growing up. I dated mostly white guys. For me, it was like nothing. I was shocked by some of the reactions by middle America because I've never seen that. You know, I went to college in Northern California and even my school was 95% white, but it was still fine. So I was really shocked at, you know, some of the reactions because I hadn't been exposed to that. And, you know, I have found a picture of us kissing on like a racist website Thing, like how terrible that was I was shocked to see that um but you know I feel like as far as the franchise I feel like they do bring in people of different races it's a matter of if um they just get picked to stay, you know so I know people say that the franchise is a white franchise but I think it was kind of the same when you know every season it's just a matter of who stays. Alex and I happen to get along, and and I date white men, so it just I think worked. I think you know I think if it works, it'll work. You know it depends on what the bachelor or what the bachelorette is into. It doesn't make sense to have if if the bachelor or bachelorette is white and they don't typically date outside of their race why would it make sense to have a bunch of people that they wouldn't even have chemistry with, you know? So I think it I think it should be based upon what they like, right? I mean, would you want to be, you know, like that's why I figure I shouldn't even do the show because I like older men. So if they were to put a group together for me, they'd have to be like, 60 years old or something (laughs) great i want
2: to watch that (laughs) nothing wrong with
1: that
2: (laughs) i mean this is something that you know rachel Lindsay, obviously the first black bachelorette has has spoken a lot about not just Mm -hmm. the importance of casting uh dive in a diverse way in terms of the people who are they there to date the lead but it but prioritizing casting a lead who is comfortable dating outside of their race and is open to a real variety of people
1: Um, and then you get the
2: representation.
1: And that's the key. I think it all has to do with the lead. It has to do with who they pick and yeah so picking someone who is actually interested in dating outside that would make the show more diverse. I think she hit the nail on the head with that you know because yeah yeah, because it doesn't make sense to have people there that they wouldn't date. But if you pick someone that, that does like diverse people, then that then that works. And mm-hmm. I think that The Bachelor is a great platform since people all across the world do watch. I think it is a great way to open up people's minds to interracial datings who don't necessarily see it in their hometown. And to see that, you know, it's actually a beautiful thing, I think, uh, you know, what opens your heart more than loving someone? And so if two people love each other that come from different backgrounds, they want to understand each other. They want to advocate for each other out, you know, in the world with their families. So I think that I'm, I'm a big fan of interracial dating. I think it helps the world because we all you know, I think we all have a lot more in common than we sometimes realize, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and you
2: touched on this a bit, but, you know, you have spoken openly about the fact that you did get a large amount of racist backlash.
1: Uh-huh.
2: By being on the show, can you talk us through kind of what that looked like and what it was like for you, especially being so young, to kind of be on the receiving end of that
1: onslaught? Well, for me, I mean, it was both scary. It was scary when I saw my picture on that website because it meant what it said to me was that someone cared enough to copy and paste this photo. And like that, they went through so much to do that with so much hate for me who is, I'm kind of powerless, I'm just a person. I was like, I've never hurt anybody. I'm just like a normal human being that like had a kiss and now it's like, so it was scary and you can't really call the cops, you know? I did report it, but it's like, okay, am I gonna go outside and someone's gonna do something nuts? So that was scary. And then what helped kind of, I think, send me onto the onslaught of depression because it was like, you're already dealing with instant fame. You know, you wake up one morning, you go outside and it's like your life has changed, you know, which could have been fine, but you've got that. And then you're online and people are like, who the hell does she think she is? This black girl thinks she can date the bachelor. And it's like, wow really because like um and then if you're already kind of insecure which I had been and I didn't know um and you base your value of yourself on what people think of you you want people to like you so when you sit when you realize oh gosh there's some people who don't like me and there's nothing that I can do like I can't change what you don't like and so that hurt and it just kind of left me confused. But what I'm looking back now, you know, I mean, years later, I I know more and in life in general, it's not going to always be perfect. There's going to be bad people um, in every race, you know, there's going to be bad people. You have to be strong and you just have to know, you know, you're doing the right thing Like most of the feedback I got was great. And why I let that little bit get me down, that's what I kind of want to try to help other people understand. It's like, look at the world from a broader perspective. If 98% is good and 2% is bad, don't let that 2% get you down. You know, and that's what I did. I was focusing on that little 2% and um and that's not good because life is never gonna be 100 percent good for anyone you know so yeah i mean
3: it's especially tough when that two percent is not just like i don't like you which is very hard not to take personally i'm the same way but also i i like scary and hate-filled and like threatening and to feel like you might be in danger when you just went on a reality show, Um, that's a lot to cope with um, at at such a young age, especially. Um, And you know, this is something that you actually you did discuss um, explicitly with Alex on the show, like how comfortable he would be being in an interracial relationship. Do you remember what prompted that discussion? And what do you think now about how that went down?
1: Well, yeah, and actually the I have spoken about this, the producers are the ones who asked me to ask him that because I actually didn't want to bring it up. I think it was also due to me being so young, um, I was kind of of the idea of we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. So it was like, you know, hey, it's all good. I, I never thought to, to talk about it, but I, it is an important conversation now. I realize that um, like if I were to date anyone, you do ask that. But I didn't want to bring it up because I thought that's too deep, you know. Um, so I did ask him and he said he was totally cool with it. I was kind of, it was a kind of weird conversation. For me to have like, so um, I know we're at a dinner party. We're all drinking. Tell me about your experience with interracial dating. It was really strange. Um, But and that was the night I went home, too. So I was like, was it that gosh darn conversation about interracial dating (laughs) <laughs> the producers
3: were meddling. There was that and then there was the conversation about your Ex. ex-boyfriend. Yeah.
1: They yeah, were they just they had their want fingers me to be in it. Like, come on, let me live, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Do you feel like you got any support from production or ABC with dealing with that, you know, racist backlash that you experienced?
1: Um, they didn't know about it. I, I got a lot of support. The producers, I love them. I do like. Um, I'm one of them. I stayed friend. Mike Fleiss. We stayed friendly. You know, after the show, I went to talk to Lisa Levinson. She kind of knew I was going through a lot. I was losing weight really fast because I wasn't eating. I was, you know, self medicating, um, and Lisa suggested that I talk to the therapist but um i was just already checked out i just couldn't get myself together to even go talk to somebody at that point i just checked out of everything i told my talent manager look no more auditions no more meetings i didn't want to do anything i just wanted to hide i guess i just i was just confused So I think had they known what was going on, they would have been there. But I didn't I didn't tell them I didn't really open up to anybody. I kind of kept it all bottled inside. And also no one really understood what I was going through because I, I just felt really alone. Like everyone's got their own lives. And I was dealing with all this stuff and no one knew. And I also didn't tell anyone until it was like too late.
2: That's so difficult. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Yeah. It's just a lot to face and you were so young and, you know, honestly, like I, yeah, I think it makes complete sense that that would cause, you know. Yeah. A difficult period
3: and there wasn't the community that there is now of former right. bachelor contestants you know, right. who
2: can counsel each other right. right um
3: i mean did you stay in touch with anyone from your season at that time were you guys able to commiserate at all or did that come later that you reconnected
1: um we all kind of stayed in touch we're all uh, like amber who was on my season she went on the first night but she's one of my best friends and shannon Shannon, I love Shannon. We kind of reconnected later, but like I said, I sort of like went on this. I then I started. I just wanted to like do my own thing. Um, I pulled away, um, so I can't say we really commiserated much after the after the first after when it was airing. I think we would get together for a little bit, but once that was done we all went our separate ways. Um, and then later we started to connect again. When social media came around, that helped a lot.
2: Like, yeah, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, Facebook, when it was easier to keep in touch and connect, that helped a lot uh, of us. And then we could like, you know, laugh about things and stuff, yeah.
2: When you got some distance from it and yes. you know, had healed.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, I got a message from Rhonda, who she was on last night, too. And she had a tough time, too. And she was like, you know, Lenice, I also went through a depression. With her, the only thing that she didn't have was the the racism part, but the, um, you know, the instant notoriety, the not being necessarily proud of yourself for everything that you did and stuff like that. So I think we, and, and, and it all being so unexpected because it had never been done before. I feel like right. if you do The Bachelor now, you know, good and well, everyone's gonna see whatever you do. So be paying attention to that. I, we weren't really tracking on that because it was like reality TV was just starting. Um, I think you
2: said it last night. You said, you know, we were sort of guinea pigs. And <laughs> yeah. I think that that
1: is accurate. Exactly. And- No
2: one knew that this show was going to be such a thing, and all of a sudden, your face is everywhere.
1: Right, right, right. And the thing is, I had done, like, you know, as an actress, you get, people will have you come and do shows that they kind of hope will make it. So I, you know, I was always, I was a free spirit, so I'm always just having a good time, But this was the first time where my little free spirit led me into something to where it's like, oh, shoot, what the heck is going (laughs) on here? Like, what did I just get myself into? But like, like you said, and, and I, and I explained this to, um, I was talking to Women's Health last week. And I, and I look at it like a relationship. It's like, you know, you're in a relationship and there's, there's you're you're in it for a couple years or whatever there's good and bad and when you break up you feel like this is terrible like all you can think about are the terrible things right and so maybe you break up and you put away all the gifts that the person gave you all the cards you put it in a box because you just don't want to look at it you don't want to see it and then after you've had some uh some space from that maybe a few years later maybe you're in a happy relationship now you might be able to go back and look at those gifts and look at those letters and see more of the fond, fun things about that relationship it wasn't all bad and I feel that so same way about the bachelor at first it was like you know I couldn't I didn't want to see it I didn't want to think about it But after having space and looking back, I can laugh and see. It was kind of fun and exciting. And that's just how life is. You know, everything's going to have some good and some bad. It's about your perspective on it. Now that I'm older, I know that, you know, and so it, you know, it was, there was a lot of good, a lot of good.
3: Yeah. I mean, looking back, are you happy on balance that you did it? Um, was it, was it worth all the, the
1: rough times? <laughs> yes, it it was uh, because, um, and they didn't air this part, but I was telling Chris that like, you know, all the work that I did to get through that period of my life is work that it would have had to be done, whether it was because I was on The Bachelor or because, Something else in my life happened. Like we all are going to experience things that cause us to grow. We're going to have to fix parts of ourselves that need to be developed. Mine just happened to come from a reality show. I had to, I actually had to like realize that there was a lot of things in myself I needed to work on. I shouldn't be looking outside of myself for self-confidence. That's something I should... I should be uh you know strong with myself so i had to learn that and and whether i learned it through the bachelor or whether i learned it through something else i would have had to learn it so i don't regret it you know i feel like i learned those lessons and and i have you know a pretty cool some pretty cool memories too you know That
2: makes that makes a lot a lot of sense. Um, And that's why it's so much fun to talk to people who have had that space and opportunity to reflect on their experiences. Mm -hmm. Before we wrap up, you know, I'm not sure if you've seen but over the last, I'd say month or so, um, you know, kind of as this recent surge of protests kind of moved across the country, there has been a concerted campaign by a lot of bachelor fans to push the show to have greater diversity not just on screen but also in terms of their production and their editors and their casting producers Mm -hmm. um as well as provide resources for black and brown contestants who might have you know be facing racist backlash and be you know unable to or that might need um you know, mental health resources and stuff like that. Do you feel like that's a worthy cause? Do you feel like there's space for the show to to meaningfully change in 2020 after all these years?
1: You know what? That is a noble cause. Um, I definitely do think that, um, hopefully they do realize that um, the minority contestants face other issues once they're done with the show and so they can include that uh the resource to deal with that because I mean it's it's a part of life unfortunately so to have some some something helpful there for them in anticipation knowing that they're gonna have to deal with that I think is a good thing and I do think that it's I'm always for um diversity um, what I would like, though, is just to make sure it's authentic. You know, I feel I've always I feel this in my own life, too, is, well, yes, let's make it diverse, but let's make sure we 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 keep, you know, keep in line with, you know, let's not just put what they would call the token this mm-hmm. or the token that let's really use the time and energy to find People who really have great chemistry and happen to be diverse, you know, instead of just trying to s- sprinkle it in to say like, "Hey, yeah, you know," so check the box. Check the box. Yeah, let's not just check a box. I think it would be wonderful to see diversity if it's done in um, just uh, an authentic way. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because. Society is growing and changing too. And that's also okay, that's normal. I mean, that's life, you know, what human beings have done all throughout time is grow and change. So we can't be mad at ourselves because of, you know, how things used to be, because that they, we've grown and we're continuing to grow. So I think hopefully The Bachelor will also do the same. It's like, okay, That's where we were then and now we're growing and and let's try to expand, you know, we're all growing, we're all learning. Hopefully.
2: Hopefully, (laughs)
1: hopefully Hopefully we should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that uh, I think the climate in the world, you know, it's it's changing. And I think that a lot of it's for the better. Um, you know, we've got uh, uh, multicultural protests happening, trying to um, make things just more fair. And uh, I think that's great. So, you know, there is some there's there's some bad going on, but there's also some good. You know, it's uncomfortable a lot. You know, I think everyone's kind of stressed out because it's so uncomfortable. But I'm hopeful that it's gonna be all good, you know, if not, Let's have some champagne. I don't know.
3: (laughs) There will always be champagne, especially on The Bachelor. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
3: So uh, before we wrap up, uh, we want to hear what you've been up to. Like, what have you been doing since the show, especially more recently? I know that since the show is a long period of time for you. (laughs) Uh, Give us
2: the last 18 years of your life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I was depressed. No, Um, you know, (laughs) After I, t- I took a lot of time off from entertainment and um, and I wanted to just really enjoy my life and make good friendships and stuff like that, which I did. And then I came back to entertainment uh, a few years ago, like just all in, um, just studying back and, and stuff like that and doing some shows. I did a play and most recently, I'm super happy about this short film that I wrote direct it and starred in it's called heaven's revenge
2: and so you guys
1: can actually watch it online for free that's awesome yeah it's the website is www.heavensrevenge.com and i play a woman who was scorned by a lover hello (laughs) but instead of just taking that laying down she actually gets some revenge and it's just I love 20, it <laughs> it's a 20 minute short film but I think it's strong it's powerful um our music director is an Oscar winner um so the music's great so yeah that's my that's my latest thing I'm really trying to just uh have fun with my acting these days
3: yeah that sounds like the perfect uh, short film for the Bachelor audience. Often <laughs> yeah. what yeah. I, I wish would it. happen <laughs> at the end of the season.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> like she does not, this, my character, Heaven, instead of, you know, she doesn't get depressed and, you know, go to the hospital. She says, screw this mess, man. I want, I want my justice.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's the energy we're bringing into 2020.
1: Yes. All, all
3: year long. Yes. Um, And why don't you let our audience know where else they can find you?
1: Yeah, and all my social media is my name. So it's got Lanice Adams on Twitter, Laniece Adams on Instagram, um, Laniece Adams on Facebook. I'm happy to connect. I got a lot of um, uh, some new uh, friends, followers from the show airing and totally happy to connect with people. I love Bachelor Nation. I mean, they rock. They're so strong. Um, So I'm happy to be a part of the franchise for sure. Oh,
3: that's wonderful.
2: Well, we are so, so grateful that you took the time to chat with us. It has been fantastic to hear from you. And, you know, we wish you you. all the best and hope, you know, maybe when we can actually be within six feet of humans, if you ever come through New York, you know, you'll have to stop by the studio.
1: (laughs) I love New York. I definitely will. And I'm so happy to chat with you guys. I hope that, you know, my story is just, you know, it helps shed some light for people and, and I'm, I'm happy to share it.
3: Yeah, we really appreciate it. It's like really tough stuff in there, but it's amazing how you moved through it. And Mm -hmm. So Um, very inspiring and and just like wonderful you came off so well on the show we loved you on the show so like it's it's just lovely to to see that you're doing well now and making making art like you like you do so
1: that's awesome thank you so much claire and emma
2: And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our wonderful guests, Lanice Adams,
3: and our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon, and I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to recap The Bachelor, the greatest seasons ever. And stay tuned for more bonus episodes you won't want to miss.
2: You're probably already familiar with Vogue. You know, the publication that has given audiences an exclusive inside look at fashion and cultural moments for more than a hundred years. You can expect no less from Vogue's podcast, The Run-Through with
3: Vogue. Meet the influential people behind the scenes of fashion's greatest moments, from designers and creative directors to Vogue editors and the woman behind the infamous Vogue closet. Get
2: inspired while listening to the creative processes of people like author Zadie Smith, fashion designer Tori Birch and uh, recent star of the Super Bowl, Usher.
3: Go beyond the pages of Vogue with The Run Through, available wherever you get your podcasts.